Welcome to the Rim 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 Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. I want to welcome you to the Rim Pro Report. I'm excited that you're here and today as the second installment of the inaugural series that launches the Rim Pro Report, I want to share a great interview I did a few years ago with Steve Richards. And Steve Richards is known to many in the records management and shredding industries as well as the media vault industry. And he is definitely someone who has an interesting story. He's a really the um, one of the icons in the rim management world. And I wanted to share this interview about his startup story because I think it uh, has so many wonderful uh, messages for us today. So as a part of this early series, I want to uh, encourage you to listen to this interview. It's got so many good things to say, and I hope as a result you'll learn something that will help you in your business. If you're a new startup, this can help you as well. So uh, without further ado, we're going to the interview right now. Here we go. Hi, this is Tom Adams, and I have another great rim service company startup story for you today. In fact, it's uh, it's uh, especially exciting for me because I, I, this is one of the uh, this interview is with someone who was was instrumental in me becoming part of the industry and learning the industry, and it's kind of a mentor of mine. So uh, I'm excited to welcome Steve Richards of Richards and Richford, Richards in Nashville, Tennessee, to the call today. Steve, are you there? I am here, and you're oh, very Steve. kind. Thank you. Welcome. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about hearing your story. I know I've I've over the years heard bits and pieces of it, but I think this will be the first time I've heard it sort of in in sequence a little bit. But before we get into the startup story, tell me where Richards and Richards is at this point in time in terms of of what what are all the different services you're offering? Uh, how big are you? What what are some of the indicators of of the success that Richards and Richards has been pleased to get to? Um, where where are you now? We are a company of about 38 people, and if you were going to say, what is your elevator speech, I'd say, we, we help people manage their confidential information, and your mind can go from there. Obviously, the thing that brought us to the table is record storage. That's what we've done the most of, and that's where uh, predominance of our revenue comes from. Uh, second thing would be shredding. Uh, we've got uh, one of the largest shredders in the United States here in our building. Um, third thing that that we do is, uh, of course, we have a data vault and uh, off-site data protection. And in the past um, about five years, we've entered into, uh, uh, we, we started another company that, that does nothing but service the legal community, and it's a copy and scanning service. Uh, we have about, uh, let me just say, we have a, a, a majority of the legal business in Nashville and the surrounding area. And those clients have been with us, uh, for some of them, uh, up to 20 years. Wow, they have a, a high confidence level in us, and, and it was a, a, an ex, just a very natural and easy thing 
for us to go into uh, uh, offering them a service that just went right hand in hand with what we're doing in records management. Uh, yeah, copies copies is not something that most uh, record centers do, but let me just say that we've we've been extremely successful in it. And, and obviously, scanning is something everyone does, but we really uh, center our uh, efforts toward the legal community right now. So that, that's a fairly comprehensive package of services you're offering now. I think so, yeah. But I wouldn't, I still wouldn't call our, call my company full service records management. That just has so many other things that, that you know, I, I say we have really we have four core competencies, um, and that's that's pretty much where I leave it. And I'm sure there are many more, um, but these are these are the ones that we've just moved into naturally. Right. Okay. So uh, that. To get where you are now, and I, I think just recently you've moved into a large new campus and building and, and things like that as well, right? That's correct. Yeah, and that's the pretty exciting. Uh, you're the second person to call it that, so it's, it feels good when you can say you have a campus. <laughs> well, I think I heard that from you, so I'm, I'm just repeating what I heard okay. from you a, a number of months ago, but that, that's 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 exciting. Um, so let, let's go back then, you know, where, where you are now is, is really exciting and you've got a great operation going, but let's, let's go back into the history. Let's, uh, take me way, way, way back before record storage, even what were you doing before the, the record storage, this whole, um, information, critical information management thing came along. What were you doing before that? Like so many before me, I was in the moving and storage business. Uh, my family is um, uh, in the ownership of a, a very large moving company. And, uh, in fact, Jerry Richards, my partner here at Richards & Richards, he and I both um, basically grew up in that industry. When I say grew up, it's it's really the only job I've had since college was uh, in the moving business. Oh, okay. and, uh, and Jerry Jr., my, my partner, uh, his dad, by the way, is Jerry Sr. and is the president of, of, of this moving company. Um, Jerry Jr., uh, he, as a seventh grader, I mean, that's, that's what he started doing. He used to come down and, and help us on the dock uh, at, at, at the moving company. But wow. that's, that's my history. I started out in that industry, um, and, and it's a quite natural thing to see um, record storage with moving many years ago because um, I, I was told this story um, by one of the old members uh, of, of the moving industry, he said that when he was his family, when his family, by he was old, but when his family was moving pe- people into the Chrysler building, yeah. so that's in the 20s, uh, when they were moving uh, into these high-rise buildings uh, in, into the Empire State Building, he said a lot of companies were moving in there, and they realized that they were having to pay a phenomenal amount for office space, and they realized they no longer wanted to keep these records and filing cabinets in those buildings. So they said, you guys take them. The moving companies were a lot cheaper, and all of a sudden the movers started in the moving uh, in, the, in the records management business. I really wouldn't call it records management. I would simply yeah. call it storage business because there really was no management. Right. Um, you were just storing the boxes and files on behalf of the clients that's way really back. True. That's really true. Yeah. So that's the, the natural progression for me, too. Um, uh, within the first 90 days that I, that I started working for my brother, one of his suppliers came in and, and said, well, Steve, I see you guys, you and your brother have started this moving storage company. I guess you all are going to get into record storage. And I said, what is that? Now, this was about April or May of 1976, and he said, uh, well, record storage, you know, you put boxes on shelves. I said, I have no concept of what you're talking about. I said, bring me some material on it. Now, again, this is 1976, and he mm-hmm. brings me in a, a, a picture of, of um, shelving with uh, a banker's boxes sitting on it. And I thought, well, 
man, that's smart. I, I, I mean, I could immediately see that's a great idea. And through the years, things happened. Uh, I, I, uh, one of my friends actually ran the State of Tennessee Record Center. Another one of my friends uh, was in records management and sold Cardex machines. Yeah. So I, I had a touch of, uh, of the industry all these years. And I don't know how far you want me to go into this, but now I, I can even tell you at the point where I realized I like this, I want to do this. You want me to go that far? Yeah, yeah, because that, that to me is, like, where where was the point? You're obviously working in the moving business, and you're getting all these clues that keep showing up for you. 76 is when I first was introduced. 78, 79, 80, I'm with these buddies of mine who are with the State Record Center and yeah. with the Cardex, and, and they're telling me about what they do, and I'm thinking, you know, that's just a great idea. You put stuff away, and you organize it really well, and I just understood that basic concept. Now, that's 1980. 1985, our, my family buys a moving company in Atlanta, and I go down there to help run that company. And uh, it's, a, it's a very large moving company that's been purchased. And, and one of the things that when I walk in the building the first time, I see pallets and pallets and pallets, almost about a 30 to 40,000 square foot building with pallets of banker's boxes. And they're all shrink wrapped, and some of them are stacked on each other. And I'm saying, what is that? And they said, well, that's record storage. And I said, that's not record storage. That's just pallet storage. Who are we doing this for? And I can only tell you it was one of the largest clients in Atlanta at the time. It was the tallest building. I'm, that's about as far as I want to tell you. But we had that. Now, we bought, the, you know, the, the, the moving company bought this business, and there were those records. And the, one of the partners said, uh, one of my brother's partners said, well, yeah, we bought this. We want to get rid of this real quick. And they called up. Uh, Beacons Records Management that was right across the interstate, and they said, are you all interested in these boxes? We're going to let you buy it. And I think we sold it to them for like three months' worth of storage. No, they were proud that they got like a like 75 cents a box to buy this. <laughs> and I don't know how. I, I, if there were, I bet there were 20,000 boxes, maybe 30,000 boxes in there. It's just phenomenal when I think about the fact that, that that account was just given away like that. Now they've become Iron Mountain, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I saw that. And, 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 you know, really at the time, I, I did not want that industry. I did not want those records in our building because it took away from what we were doing. We always had the Kentucky Fried Chicken concept. We do one thing right that's moving in storage. We are not in the record storage. We're not in the any other thing business. And that's just what the partners had always said. I saw that with an interest. I was very interested in it. But I also realized the mission and the, and the focus of our organization, and it was not record storage. But about two or three or four months later, uh, I'm sitting there looking at the invoices, and I'm thinking, holy smoke, there was money to be made with that record storage. And I thought, there was my opportunity. It's gone. Forget it. It's gone. You know, I'm not even, not even going to think about it anymore. But what I didn't realize, where my office was in Atlanta and where I lived, I drove back and forth every day passing a record center. It was, uh, it's called a TENCO, Atlantic Business Envelope, at the time was in the records management business. And it was, you know, at the time I thought it was a massive building. It was a 10,000 square foot building. And it was just one of their satellite offices there in Atlanta. But I passed it every day going back and forth to work. And I, I picked up on it one day and saw it. And, um, and I realized, oh, well, there's a record center. And I thought, you know, someday I'm going to go in there. One day I am really mad at my brother <laughs> in Nashville. I'm in Atlanta. He's done something that just really irritates, really irritates me. And, and I'm. And, and it made me so mad, I think, I'm going home. It is like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so I am driving home. And there's that record. By golly, I've got the time. And I pulled on the parking lot. I can still remember, Tom. I can still remember parking my car where I parked it, where I walked in and what I had to say to get in there. And I said, guys, 
um, I'm thinking about storing some records. Show me what you do here. And the guy says, well, come on back. Let me show you. Huh. And I walked in there, and, and I, I don't joke when I say this. I, I felt like a light shone from heaven and said, Steve, this is what you're going to do the rest of your life. Wow. Now, I, I feel that I have a calling to do this, no different than my pastor has a calling to be a minister. I do hmm. firmly. I don't believe it. I mean, I, it's just who I am. I know that's what I'm supposed to do, and that's that's why it, it's kind of funny when when you know these companies come in here and want to buy my business. And I say, you know, you just don't really understand. It's not mine really to sell. Yeah, I own the stock, but I, I feel like I'm a steward of it. Uh, hmm. I've been given a great idea. I've been great, given a great concept, and it's mine, and I'm supposed to be responsible with it and do what I'm supposed to do with it. So, therefore, the guys that want to walk in and buy me, I said, they really just don't have a clue as to why I, I'm not interested in them. And, and that's one of the main reasons. Wow. Steward of something I've been given. So you're standing in the, the this record center in Atlanta, and the light bulb goes off for you, or the you know it, it just becomes evident that this is where you're going. What takes you from that point to actually having your own record center? What are some of the the pieces in there? I said to him, now he they had a catwalk in there. And actually, they had a, they actually had a mezzanine. It really wasn't a catwalk; it was a true mezzanine. And I said, how do you find the box? And because uh, they probably didn't have more than fifteen, twenty thousand boxes in there, it looked like a million to me. Right. But it wasn't very big. Now that I've looked at it since that time, and I thought, oh, you know, I thought, you know, if you'd have said how big was that building, I said, oh, it was eighty thousand square feet. <laughs> <laughs> it looked that big. But I've driven by there since, and I said, holy smoke, it was only ten thousand square feet. Well, anyway, um, I said, how do you find a box? And he said, oh, it's real simple. And he walks me into their office and shows me their three by five card index. It was done manually. They write it down. The box owned the location. They would have to write down the location, and any time of an access, they would write down on the three by five card when it was accessed and put a name on there. Right. And that was their that was their locator system. And I remember thinking, this is such a beautiful operation. It is such an antiquated. There's no technology. Literally, no technology. They would then take that information, by the way, off the three by five card and then type it into an Excel spreadsheet or something equivalent. I think it was actually Lotus 1, 2, 3 at the time. But they wow. had some kind of a, a database program, but all it was was uh, a number system with a locator. I mean, it, it was nothing sophisticated. It was all done by keystroke, you know, by someone <laughs> entering the information. Okay, yeah. I saw that. Uh, I drove home. And now, at the time, uh, my wife and I are living a, a really cool life. I'm 35 years old. She's 28. Uh, we've just had one child. Uh, child's less than a year old. We're living in a 5,000-square-foot house in a very cool part of Atlanta. We have German cars. I mean, life is very good for me at this point. But I'm very, I'm very, I'm unhappy with Atlanta. I'm unhappy in the moving business. And, I'm, uh, you know, another thing, I'm unhappy in the church that we were in. And we realized we've been in Atlanta for about, um, about 28 or 30 or 35 weeks, and we really weren't happy there, and we wanted to go back to Nashville. We talked about this. And... I went home that night, and I said, "Hun, what would you think if I told you that uh, I want to leave the moving industry and we would move back to Nashville and uh, move into this little 800-square-foot condominium that we own that we actually had for rental property? But I might not be able to afford anything that we have here. I mean, no houses, no big house, no big cars, anything like that. And she said, okay. I mean, you can see. 
our level of commitment to the, to the movie and storage industry was not that great. <laughs> and that's what happened that night. And, you know, here's the funnier thing. That night, uh, she sends me to the grocery store, and I'm there, and he's clicking across there, and, you know, they're using these new scanners in 1985 and yeah. 86. And he's scanning. I thought, holy smoke, here's the, here's the technology. Hmm. And, and I went home, and I said, what would you think if we went back to Nashville and started a record storage business? What's that? Well, I told her. And, and um, she said, okay, there again, too. Okay, so I've got two okays from her all in one day. Wow. And wow. that night, I also called my brother, Ed, who uh, was teaching uh, in Texas, who was a computer uh, prof- professor in the computer sciences department. And I said, how difficult would it be for you to write me a barcoding program? And here's what it would need to do. And he said, well, you know, it could take some time. I'd have to decide which symbology and how, what you want to do. And, you know, we started talking about it right there. And, and that was the start of it. Hmm. That, from that night forward, everything in my life centered around me leaving the, the moving and storage industry, starting a, a business. I can tell you this, that within less than, uh, less than five months, uh, we were back in Nashville. Um, we did sell our house and we uh, our houses and everything, cars and everything, and we moved in an 800-square-foot condominium. And I can tell you that one year uh, from the time I moved back, um, that was May of 86 when I moved back. May of 87 is when I started my business. Wow. Now, at the time that I started this business, uh, Richards & Richards, um, we were, uh, I was, um, oh, what's the term you use? I'm sorry, I can't think of what it is right now, where you're working one job for eight hours and then you um, working your new Oh, yeah, um, night. Um, oh, my mind's going blank. Yeah, okay, I know what you mean, though. Something back. Um <laughs> I can't yeah. not, not piggyback, but whatever it was, um, I, I you know I was actually taking no money. I couldn't taking no money out of the company. I had brought on a partner at the time and was allowing him to buy in. Um, and it turns out that and he was a CRM also, by the way. Oh. Okay. And uh, and I and my whole idea was, by the way, he was the guy that ran the State Record Center. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I I came back to Nashville. Went to him and said, you know, uh, what would you think about this? And he said, well, I have no money, but I'll help you get it started. And I, and I wanted to make him a partner. I knew that I needed to get him into the business and have him to buy in. But um, uh, I was allowing him to buy in with money that I was paying him. Uh, turns out, though, after about nine months, the partnership did not work out. I, uh, I Let me just say that I terminated the partnership at that point and became a 100% owner and brought in my nephew, Jerry, and Jerry has bought into the business since that time and now as a partner in the business. So um, Jerry came in after nine months of, of our being in business. Um, and, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, we started the company in May of 1987. In March of 1989 is when I actually was, that was my first day full-time. Really? Richards & Richards. So for two years I was in the moving and storage business for eight hours, and then in the record storage business for eight hours. Jerry and my and Jane ran the company during the day, and wow. I would go at night and organize what I wanted to do. And I was working 16 hours a day um, bootstrapping. I'm sorry, that's yeah. the term is bootstrapping. That's what I did. Uh, you know, I was, I was your typical bootstrapper. You work eight hours at your job that brings you revenue. And by the way, I was extremely successful still with my brother's moving company. Um, I, I didn't tell you earlier. I went back to Nashville with the idea that I would go to work, go back to work for him because I was a salesman in his company. But I just I didn't have my heart in Atlanta and didn't have my heart in that company. But it was back in Nashville, and I was still in you know the top ten of the salespeople uh, for the moving and storage company. Still, still, 
maintaining my top ten status there. Wow. So uh, he was happy to get me back. I brought revenue. So, I mean, you know, he, he was glad to get me back into that business. But uh, two years later, uh, you can see um, I, I, we left. Uh, I left Armstrong and uh, was then working full-time at, at my company, Richards & Richards. So uh, I've kind of jumped around there for that last two-year period, but it's not, it's not unusual. Bootstrapping is just the way that a lot of people start businesses. They mm-hmm. get that great idea. And, Tom, I'll tell you this. I think... I think I think this about everybody in America. I won't say that about Canada. I'll say this about everybody in America. Everybody is born with one country song in their heart that they could write and probably sell. One. I think everybody's got one country song. Yeah. And I also think everybody has got one idea or a great idea for a business. Some people act on it. Some people don't. Same way with that country song. Most people don't act on it in either case, in your country song or in your business. I'm one of those who acted on the idea. Now, it really wasn't my idea. It wasn't original. It's just I simply saw a great idea and took it and, and kind of made it my own. Um, I'll tell you that from the time that I moved back to, to, to Nashville in um, May of 1986 mm-hmm. until May of 1987, it was that, that one year of fact-finding, your due diligence. You yeah. find everything you can. It's interesting in that, that I did a lot of traveling for the moving company. I had accounts all over the country, I mean, from California to upstate Michigan to New York to Florida. And wherever I went on business, I would always try and find a record center to go into and look at. Well, and some, most of those guys were really nice to me. There were a couple that really weren't, that, you know, that wanted me to pay them $1,500 a day just to – and I said, look, I'm not going to be your competitor. I'm in Nashville. You're, you're all the way yeah. down here in Texas. You know, most people were just really nice to me. You know, every one of those guys are gone, by the way. Mm-hmm. They've all sold. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I got ideas, but, uh, you know, I, I was still talking to my brother in Texas about yeah. the barcoding program when all of a sudden I'm reading the National Moving and Storage Times, and I see this big word, O'Neill, and this barcode right below it. And it said uh, record storage for, for record center, something like that. And I knew Tim O'Neill. I mean, I've known Tim. I mean, you know, our, we're both from the moving business. I called him immediately, and I said, what in the world are you doing? And he said, well, I've, I'm, I've got this program that I've, that I've written for the, the record storage industry. Well, I had a, it turns out I had a, a meeting uh, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, Jane had said, I'm going with you for that meeting. So Jane and Bowman and I flew to uh, Los Angeles my meeting, and then uh, I, I took an extra day and spent it down in Irvine with, with Tim. And actually, Tim was there. Uh, I think Dale Annecy was there, who, by the way, is now one of my employees. <laughs> I stole him from Tim. And uh, there were, I think there were only four employees at, at uh, O'Neill at the time that that happened. Uh, Mark Womble was there. Uh, and did they have a record center at the time? Oh, no. He, was, he had a little, he had a little uh, office space, office warehouse space, over on um, Warner... I think it was on Warner Drive, if I'm not mistaken. I think you know, a little office space up front and a little warehouse in the back. I can still remember that. I, oh. I remember it distinctly. And the, the reason, the funny thing was that Bowman was at the time maybe two years old. Yeah. And while Jane and I, or, or, while, while Tim is showing us the O'Neill program, Bowman is just running all over the office and really being a pretty good kid. But he goes running under a table that's about an eighth of an inch too short. And he whacks his head pretty bad. He's still got that scar. And I think Tim was more worried about Lawsuit City here. We, we weren't worried about it. We weren't, but uh, it was kind of funny because, you know, every every time uh, Tim and I would talk for the 
first two or three years. How's Boma doing? I said, well, you know, well, we're, we're we, you know, look, just pay for freshman year in college. We'll call it even. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, nothing happens there in Boma. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Bowman is a senior in college right now. But anyway, um, so you did you buy the software then? We were one of the. In fact, I think uh, the first person to buy his software, I don't think, ever turned it on. And I think there were four other people before us, uh, Jamie Hickey being one of them. Nobody that that uh, bought the software before us is, is uh, from what I understand, is still in business. I think we are the oldest. Wow. And and I'm, I'm I don't uh, I think BRM might have bought it before us, but they're no longer on O'Neill. Um, wow. So you're kind of the O'Neill granddaddy then. We we I think I, I, I'm willing to put some. Money on the fact that we're the granddaddy at this point. Uh, but so, let, me, let me just let me say it this way: we are one of the oldest users of O'Neill, and we are, we are still uh, one of those uh, one of their champions. I mean, you know, it's a good package, and and I will I wouldn't say anything about any other company because they're all good. Yeah. It's just different philosophies, um, and I think there's there's it's just one of those things where you have to feel comfortable about it. Yeah. And, of course, with us, it's an emotional thing, too. It's a familial thing. I mean, uh, I'm very close with Tim's family, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, their family, his family's in the moving business, just like mine is. In fact, it's the same van line that we're there. And in mm-hmm. fact, his family and uh, our, our company owners, uh, all, of, all of them used to get together for a dinner while at the conference many years prior to this, uh, they, you know, during the, the moving and storage United Van oh, okay. Conference, yeah. they would always get together one night, the two the two families, and, and have dinner. So it's it's kind of funny how uh, uh, you know you know Tim uh, you know it's anyway it's just kind of funny that relationship and how it's it's thrived over these years. But it's based on a lot of trust too. I mean, uh, I really like Tim um, and uh, just appreciate his product very much. So you you see this software um, and. And you 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 were one of the early purchasers of it. What what are some of the early things that you have to deal with? What are some of the early frustrations and roadblocks and struggles you face as you start this uh, this new business? Well, let, let me say that that um, after listening to Tim mm-hmm. talk about his product, um, we flew back the very next day to Nashville, and he allowed me to take the manual with me. And I read that manual before I'd gotten to Phoenix. Um, and, and that's not to say that it was a small manual. It was actually a pretty thick manual. And I'm, I'm kind of joking about the Phoenix. But let me just say that I absorbed it. And I realized that it was going to eliminate people that I would have needed otherwise. Um, that, that software saved me from having to hire an invoice person, saved me from having to hire a, a, a record center person, um, it it allowed me to walk in to this industry in Nashville, Tennessee, at the height of technology, because everyone here at the time was um, either handwriting on three by five cards, much like Atenco did in Atlanta, mm-hmm. or they were using some kind of a uh, um, an antiquated and I, I would even say spreadsheet application to, right. to keep their industry. So when I walked into the largest law firm in Nashville and said, "Let me show you why I stand out." from those that you've seen before and the one you're using right now. And all I had to do was take that wand and let it beep a few times. And every time I scanned, I said, I just read six digits 100% correct. And here, clip, I just read the location 100% correct. I only had to do that a few times, and they understood immediately. This is it. 
and and I can tell you that uh, I, I was I was something like 134 to nothing. I think the first 134 people I went and talked to about record storage, uh, and some of them, by the way, were vended. Uh, not that I intended to go after other people's clients, but I just said lawyers are mine. I'm going after lawyers, and I went after every lawyer. And, and uh, it's pretty much that way even today. They they've stayed with me. Um, you you said um, you know I, I can tell you that I knew I wanted to buy that software, but I can tell you that um, in April of 1987, this is a month before uh, March. It was March and April of 1987. Yeah. Sitting in choir, uh, we have a very large choir, and one of the guys in behind me is a good friend of mine who's a lawyer, uh, who is number two in a let me say, a, a medical malpractice insurance company. Yeah. Um, he's sitting behind me, and, and he says something about records. And I said, well, what are you talking about records? By the way, can you hear the noise in the background right now? Uh, not really. Okay, good. There is a buffer right outside my door, and I just noticed that, and I, I didn't know that he was going to be coming in. Um, he, he said, I, I, I have uh, w- w- something about records. And he said, well, uh, you know, you know, I'm with this, XYZ company, and, and we're needing to, to get our records, and I'm going through that process right now. And I said, Bob, I, I'm starting a company to do that right now. Would you allow me to come by there? And he said, well, are you talking about the moving company? And I said, no, this is completely separate. He said, well, sure. Well, um, within about two or three days, I was in front of them giving a presentation to this company, and they had about uh, 800 boxes. And it was To me, it was massive. I mean, I couldn't believe oh, yeah. that I was that fortunate. Uh, 800 boxes, and I'm sitting there talking, and the, and the guys say, well, now, what's the name of your company? And I said, um, I don't have a name yet. <laughs> they said, okay, well, <laughs> where are you located? And I said, I don't have a building yet. <laughs> he, he said, well, do you have a phone? And he said, I guess you don't. I said, I don't have a phone yet. And I said, the only business card I've got is this. But I said, let me tell you guys, this is March. Um, when do you anticipate having to have these records? off-site, and he said, well, sometime in the next 60 days, and I said, within 60 days, I'll have a name, I'll have a building, and I'll have a phone number for you, and that's the way I left. Now, as I'm walking out to the elevator, my friend says, Steve, uh, you didn't tell me you didn't have a name, you didn't have a building, and I said, but look, I've got software. I can tell you right now, and I, I did tell them about barcoding, and I really whizzed them. I, I really impressed them with the barcoding aspect, Right. and um and he walks me to the elevator. Now, he's the number two guy in the company. And he says, Steve, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to help you here, you know, without a name and all that. And I said, you just, you just give me this chance. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll make this thing happen. I'll, I'll have the building and all that stuff done. Well, I, I'd already been looking, and I, I knew where I thought I wanted to locate. And um, I had a 60,000-square-foot building, a multi-story building downtown. Uh, you've been there, Tom. Yeah. It's uh, right downtown. I mean, it's two, three blocks from the river. Yeah. Uh, it's about four blocks from the central part of the business. So I knew it was the location that I was very much interested in. It had been vacant for many years. Uh, I went to the owner, and I said, look, I, I really would like to rent your building. And they just got really excited. And they said, you know, 60,000 square feet, you know, that'll be a, you know, a dollar square foot. And 60,000 a year divided out will be uh, $5,000 a month. I said, uh, I, I can't afford five thousand dollars a month and i said and i really don't need sixty thousand square feet i don't i only need i might only need one floor 
And then they said, well, okay. Uh, so then they started dividing this building down. And I said, really, I don't even need the whole floor. I just need this one little section in the office. And I don't even need the front where the front door is. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, I've rented one half of the garage. It's, a, it's an eight-story, it's an eight-car garage. I've got one half of the garage. I've got one little space where the front door is, going back to a little space where the office is. And I think and my rent was $635 a month. Wow. So from 635 to 5000 is what I talked them down to. And they were, they, but they, they understood the big picture. As I right. said, look, guys, it's going to take me not long to start putting boxes in here and filling this thing up, and I will be a client for 20 years. And it's funny I said 20 years because this is the 20th year, and they just got through selling that building, and they're going to be tearing that building down in the next year, and it's going to become the Weston Hotel. Wow. Um, so it, it's been actually literally 20 years. 20 years since you signed that first agreement. Yes, it is. That's wow. how long it was. So, you know, the, the first, what, what did I have? And by the way, the second, the second client that I had, I'm at lunch not long after this, this meeting that I have with this insurance company. It's an accountant, and he's a friend of mine, and, and we're having lunch with a mutual friend. And uh, I told him what I'm doing. He understood immediately what I was doing, and he said, I love that idea. I'm going to be your first client. And as it turns out, he's actually the second one I talked to, but he is number 001 because very shortly thereafter, he said he gave me his boxes. And I said, well, uh, you need, you're going to need to hang on to them in that mini warehouse one more month because I still haven't gotten my building yet. <laughs> so that's, that's the kind of thing that happened. Uh, you know, the, the real challenges that we had at the time, uh, they're, they're, just, they're not a lot of what anyone would really think is a challenge today. Uh, this was, an, uh, this was a, a business uh, that, that, you know, there were, the, the Iron Mountain existed only in the northeast at the time, and probably in only two or three locations. That's before they bought any of the, uh, the Beacons right. companies. That was a couple of years before they bought the Beacons company. So there was no, obviously, no national player. There were only Ma and Pa outfits in just about any city. And Nashville had, uh, had two competitors. I had two competitors here, but they were both, uh, neither one of them had any technology. So it was very easy, and I, I don't want to say this in a I don't want to say this in a bad way. It's not a good thing, but uh, it was easy taking business away from them. However, I did not set out to do that. Yeah. I went after unvended business, but then the vended business that they had started looking at me and saying, "Whoa, technology!" And they'd yeah. go to their 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 vendor and say, "Hey, you need to get this," and they'd say, "Well, no, we really don't need it," and they would they would change to me, wow. and I didn't, you know, and I'd try to, you know, well, let me just say, we didn't. We weren't going after their business, but it turns out some of it came our way. Not a lot of it, um, but that started the time clock for them both to go out of business. Hmm. Now, you know, other obstacles. I, yeah, I did what anybody else would do. You get the, the Granger magazine, and you look through there and say, just look at every picture. Is this something that could help me? You know, I didn't even know that there was anything called a Magliner dolly. I, all I'd ever seen in the moving business was appliance dollies and four-wheel dollies and, and the regular two-wheel dollies and, Think how do you get boxes from point A to point B? Well, you put them on a dolly and move them down. Well, you know I, I didn't realize there's five boxes that goes on a regular dolly or 25 boxes goes on a magliner. Well, I didn't. Right. I, I I happened to see a magliner one day and I thought, oh, I got to get one of those. <laughs> you know, and, and it's just it's it was a fun way of doing it because you know I didn't see this stuff in any of the other companies that I went and looked at. They really talked to me about philosophies and things like that. But you know, all the companies that I went and looked at, you know, I told you I made that trip for that yeah. year. You know, none of them were barcoded. Hmm. We were one of the first ones in America to barcode. 
wow. here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I open my doors with barcoding, and every box that's been since the day I opened my business has been a barcoded box. Wow. So, and, and it, it was a very, it was a rare thing. Um, it was a rare thing to have barcoding. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we, and one of the nice things about that is it's allowed us to stay several generations ahead of anybody entering the business. I mean, we, we have extensive experience in, in, in the barcoding application. And, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I understand a whole lot about it. And more so than, you know, somebody that, that's been in the industry five years, I, I can see where, we, you know, I can remember them talking about different symbologies. Code 3 of 9 was, of course, the one that everybody uses now, but uh, there's interleaf 5 of 7, uh, you know, you, everybody thinks it's a UPC code, when it, that's really not it. But I even understand UPC code, check digits and the whole thing. I mean, we, we, we had to go through and look at that. This is really early industry technology that, that uh, we were all looking at. And, and so... So when did when did um, you obviously the business is running for two years? What what was kind of the catalyst for you to was there sort of a place along the way that you felt? I mean, obviously you got 134 of the first people you talked to. You said, I mean, you you scored those clients immediately. But but what what allowed you to make the leap from staying uh, in the moving business and leaping completely into the the records business. What was kind of the catalyst for that move? Was there a big win that you had with a new client? What what got you to the point where it just made sense for you to you to come back on full time? Two things were the catalyst. Uh, the first thing that happened was a very large um, hospital management corporation that was here in Nashville that was looking at me and my competitor, and um, they looked at my company and at that company. That company had been in business for three or four or five years, and, and or actually longer than me, and uh, they chose that company, and it hurt me to no end. Sometimes, you know, losing business like that can be something that will just transform you. Because I went back and looked at everything he said, and I realized he really made a bad decision, but I, I, but I realized what his decision was based on. It was simply on longevity. He liked my technology. He liked the fact that I was in a building, but he said, well, you know, not even painted building. Well, you know, four or five years later, it was probably one of the nicest buildings in that area. But at the time it wasn't. It was an ugly building. Hmm. Um, I looked at every reason why he gave me that he did, didn't choose me. And I went back and just dissected my company. And we changed some things that we did based on what he did. Now, some of those things weren't even relevant, but I thought, I'm going to give them no opportunity to use that reason ever again. So I listened to all the little nitpicky things he did, um, and, and I, I, I realized that, that, that and then overall he just made a bad decision. And, and I'm saying that, I'm, I'm objectively saying that. Yeah. Uh, it was just simply on longevity, the longevity of the company. Um, that was one thing. I mean, I, I, I changed a whole lot of things right there. And I realized I probably need to be down here. But you remember I was telling you I was working eight hours a day yeah. in the moving, and, and, and it always got my first good eight hours every day, every day. I never shorted them one minute. But then the minute I leave, I would leave uh, the moving company. I would drive straight downtown, and I would just simply get work done that needed to be done during the day that, that I could take care of, uh, a list of people to call on for the next day, and I, I laid everything out. I had a good database of who I was working on and, and where they were in relation to, to coming on. By the way, I still got all that stuff. I kept all that paperwork. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's still special stuff to me. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, I, 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 I mentioned it before, my sales in the moving business were still very good. I was still in the top 10%. I was in the top 10 of 55 salespeople. 
And by the way, this is a moving company unlike just about any other moving company in America. Uh, it's, it's more than 100, oh, let me say, it, it's more than $100 million. Wow. Now think about that a minute. Wow. Today yeah. it is worth, it's, it's doing more than that. I, I'm not going to give you a number, but it, it's extremely big. Well, even then, in, in 1989, uh, it was comparable to being that crazy big. I mean, it's always been a, just a spectacularly great moving company. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm saying that only to say there was an expectation. If you're here, you're going to sell and you're going to do a very good job. So I, 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 I maintained that. I kept at that level. But there's another thing that, that was greater than all of that, and that was my brother. And my brother saw that his son, who was my partner, was down here working. He saw my wife down here working, and he saw me at his company. Hmm. Now, he realized that this company needed me. He realized that it would be a shock or it would be difficult, but uh, he also realized I needed to leave. Uh, the, the main catalyst was that my brother fired me. Really? Yeah, he really did. Wow. What a what a loving thing to do. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Now, I was not. In fact, I can tell you, he. I, I tell you, he took me to lunch on a Friday afternoon, a uh, Friday Friday lunch, and he said, uh, uh, he said something about, you know, I, I need to talk to you, and you know, let's go to lunch. We went to lunch. I'm sitting there, and. Uh, he went into this long thing, and I said, "Jerry, you you need to hurry up because I've got to get back off. I got a lot of things to do." I'm, I'm, and he said, "No, Steve, you're not going back to the office. Uh, I'm letting you go." And I said, "Look, I am too busy for you to be telling me this right now." And he said, "Steve, you're not working for me anymore." He said, "You need to go down and take care of your company. Your company's in good enough shape. It's going to support you." And I was mad. I mean, really? Tom, I was angry at my brother. And uh, the funny thing is, uh, I, you know, I was probably a good mile and a half from the, from the, from the uh, office. I was so angry at him, I got up and walked out, and I walked back to the office. I wouldn't even ride with him. I was so angry at him. And I got back to the office, and I walked in the door. I could still walk. I remember walking in the door, walking back, getting uh, about three or four boxes and taking my stuff out of there and walking out, and everybody saying, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just fired. And, I mean, everybody's head just stopped. Look. Oh my goodness! And uh, anyway, um, I, I went downtown and drove in. And Jerry looks at Jerry Jr. looks at me and says, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "Your dad just fired me." And they got mad. <laughs> wow! And then I called my other brothers and I said, "Your brother just fired me." And then I called my dad. And I said, "Your son just fired me." <laughs> it's kind of funny because everybody I think had plane tickets and were making arrangements come to Nashville, because I was ready to go talk to an attorney. I had walked in the door after Jerry had done, you know, he started that business uh, February the 15th, and, and I, I was there March the 1st. He had been in operation two weeks when I showed up, so he and I really got that business started, and here he was firing me? Good yeah. Lord, I'm mad. Wow. Well, anyway, um, amazing thing happened. I, I really am mad at him, and, and I'm, I'm planning on some kind of legal action. Uh, all the rest of Friday and, and all day Saturday, and I'm still angry, and nobody's talking to Jerry, my brother, because he's done this. And a Sunday, the sermon at church was, if God's in control of your life, you're going to be okay. But if there's a man that's in control of your life, you're going to really be in some trouble. Well, I realized if God was in control of my life, everything's going to be okay about this. 
I'm, you know, my business is going to be fine. His business is going to be fine. But if, if I really allowed Jerry to be the one that's the master of this whole plan, what, what kind of a nightmare am I in? Mm-hmm. So um, I wow. realized from that sermon right there, I'm really okay as long as I'm going to be trusting that God's the one that's actually got this whole thing going. So I mean, I, I went back. I mean, I came back from the church that 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 afternoon, and I I called my brother uh, Jerry and I said, look, um, no big deal here. Uh, I told him what the sermon was about, and I said, no, I really I, I, I know it was very difficult for you to do this, but uh, I'm okay with this, and we're gonna we're still gonna be brothers. We're still gonna be friends. And we went to lunch the next day. And the, the cool thing is, we went. I can still tell you, we went to San Antonio Taco. Um, Jane and Jane, my wife, and Trish, my sister-in-law, uh, she was there. There, all four of us were there. And uh, Jerry and I, for some reason or other, we we held back a little bit. And he said just some loving, you know, some really loving things. But uh, but I did to him too. I realized he, he's not the one that's designing this. And you know, his funny, his his company has thrived, and my company's thrived. Yeah, that's wow. what's happened. Wow, that's very cool. I mean, you, you just you, you you look back on those pieces and you go, you know, it took it took a firing in a in a way to kind of um, change yeah. the, the direction that you were heading in. And yeah, uh, I would have I, never left this company had he not done that. I, yeah. Well, no, no, wait a minute. Let me back up. I, I don't know that I, was, I would have ever recognized that the company. You, and you look at it, the timing of it; it was absolutely perfect because all of a sudden, uh, my company absorbed me in, in my paycheck. And it was a hefty paycheck at the time, because I had, you know, I had I had two kids, and one on the way, hmm. and I'm, I'm thinking health insurance. How am I going to do this? And then I understood the word cobra. <laughs> so, hmm. we, you know, all those things, all those things came about. Uh, it, it, everything worked right at the perfect timing because you know one of the times that uh, w- one of the greatest things that can happen to a guy is called entrepreneurial fear, waking up in the morning wondering where your money's going to be coming from in 60 days. And it's something that wakes you up earlier in the morning and lets you go to bed later at night. And it gets you to work much smarter, and you don't waste your time. You know, entrepreneurial fear is a great thing. I mean, uh, I can tell you that uh, anybody that, 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 you know, I told you that 134 to to zero, I actually think it was more than that because I typically didn't lose business. I'd walk in the door and say, look, I'm a new guy here in town. I have technology. I've got a wife. I've got three kids. I've got lots of motivation to make sure that you're going to have your records very well taken care of. What are they doing? Oh, that guy's an employee, isn't he? Yeah. He doesn't have the motivation I have. And I, it was a compelling argument. Oh, yeah. So I, and, and you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative of those who considered me and, and chose us. And uh, it, it's been, you know, it's, it's been a good ride. Because most of those people will still say, I remember, you know, I, I, one of the guys just recently said, I can remember one of the first deliveries that was made to our company was made by your wife with a baby in a baby stroller and our box sitting on top of the baby stroller. And that was a fact. We did that. Wow. And that That's... would have been Elizabeth, my daughter, who is now yeah. a sophomore in college. Wow. Um, that is so cool. That is cool. I mean, so Jane, Jane's taking the uh, the records box in on the on the uh, stroller. Absolutely, yes, she love is. it. Uh, we've still got pictures of of two of my children sitting in a one cube box. Sitting now. Let me say this again: their legs and their butts, both in <laughs> the whole the whole thing in that box. <laughs> yeah. In That's fact, it was, it was really kind of cruel. Uh, Elizabeth graduated two years ago from high school, and I took that picture. And put it in the annual. 
of her and her older brother Bowman uh, sitting in that box. That's hilarious. But it was it was, it was uh, uh, you know we get the we we took a page advertisement in their annual. But you know I, it's really it's part of the American dream. Uh, yeah. I've been I've had the American dream. I've been able to my wife and I have started a business together. And, and by the way, I, I haven't told you anything about this, and, and that I've really been negligent in doing that. Um, Jane is an integral part of my business. My wife is. Two weeks after I started that business in May of 1987, I, I called my office at eight o'clock one morning because I needed something to be done that day, and I, I, my my voicemail kicked in. In 8.05, voicemail was still kicking in. In 8.06, voicemail was still kicking in. At 8.07, I called Jane and I said, Hun, uh, my new partner, you know, he's not there yet. Could you possibly take Bowman and go down there? Yeah, I realize you're five months pregnant, but could you go down there? Because something must happen. You've got to open the doors. We got Doors got to be open at 8 o'clock. Well, about a minute or two later, my partner called me and said, hey, what are you calling for? And I said, you're to be there at 8 o'clock. And um, he said, look, it's not a big deal. And I said, it's a big deal to me. And, you know, you're to be there at 8 o'clock, and you're to, not to leave till 5 o'clock. Never, ever, minute before, minute later, whatever. Well, anyway, that was probably one of our first arguments that we had with my partner. But I went home that night. Uh, Jane did not go down there because I called her back and said, don't. I said, I really need you to go down and look to see what's going on down there. And she went, and about two weeks later, she said, "You've got a problem. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not impressed with your, with your, with your partner." And that was in first of June. We started in May. This is first of June, and Jane has been there ever since that day. Ever since she has been there, ever, because then she realizes, "Hey, this is my company too, and yeah. I'm not going to let anybody mess with it." And wow. she to this day is, is a mother hen about that, about this yeah. company. But you know, she knows as much about it. Well, let me say this. We all know more about it than most people, but I know more about what I do than she does, and she knows more about what I do than I do. We've really stayed out of each other's areas of the business. Jerry knows more about what he does than I do. The three of us have really worked very well here for 20 years. Uh, Jerry does operational. Jane does administrative. I do it selling, and we stay in our little realm. We meet once a day for about 15, 20 minutes, talk about what the challenges of the day are, and and it's been that way since that time. Uh, and I told you, Jane was five months pregnant. She she had her she had Elizabeth on on whatever that day was, September 28, 1987. Uh, four days later, she's back at the office with Elizabeth and with Bowman. And then um, when Stephen is born in in March of 1990, three or four days later, Jane is back at the office with Stephen. We had three kids down there, so uh, Bowman learned how to ride his bicycle on the third floor. You know, I've, I've really not told you challenges here. I, I, I just don't, you know, money's always a challenge. Coming up with equipment's always a challenge. Uh, I, I, I'm just jumping back into one of the first questions you asked the challenge. Uh, one of the first things that happened to me was about six months before I was going to start this business, I had an adverse ruling from the IRS regarding an investment that I'd made. Mm-hmm. Um, bad ruling, and it cost me all the money that I was planning on starting this business with. I mean, all of it and more, actually. And uh, they said, by the way, we want it now, which the IRS is allowed to do, and I had to pay them all the money that I'd saved to start this business. Well, uh, damn the torpedoes full steam ahead. We didn't stop anything. I called my mother-in-law, and I said, would you sign or co-sign for me getting a loan? And she said, well, sure. So she signed. Um, although uh, 
she really didn't put any money up. She co-signed the loan. And within the very first year, I paid that loan back. Um, that was a real obstacle right there. That was, But it was so so natural when I realized I don't have any money. But, I mean, you know, you, you lament about it for about 30 minutes, and you're, oh, okay, I can do this. That's and, that and, whole entrepreneurial fear it, kicking back in. It's, it really is. But, you know, you your mind gotta, does those things to you. And yeah. entrepreneurial fear just drives you. It still does to me. I can still tell you, today, I still have entrepreneurial fear to get you up in the morning. Yeah. You worry about things uh, that... You know, now, but I'm not worried about things that have three digits and four digits. I'm worried about things that have six digits to right. <laughs> and seven digits even. I mean, you worry about those things that are bigger picture, but uh, it's one of those cool things that uh, yeah. uh, I, I don't doubt for a second my calling into this business on a spiritual level. I don't doubt for a second my calling into this business. And I also don't doubt for a second there have been many things that have just been way greater than, than me in terms of how do you deal with this, and I really don't know. It's one of those prayer things. It's a God thing. I, I can't tell you how many cool things have worked out um, as a result of uh, starting that business. Uh, uh, you know, we can go into the fire if you want to and talk about that. We uh, can, but you're, the, 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 that might have to be a whole separate uh, CD. <laughs> it probably would be. Yeah, but let, let, me, let me just, you know, um, barring the fire, because the fire, for those who might be listening, is is a significant event in Steve's um, business history, and maybe we'll do that one again to uh, to sort of create a different context. But looking back on all of, from, from the time you started this to the years you sort of spent sort of um, bootstrapping, working at the, the moving company while, you, while, um, while Jerry and, and Jane were working in the business, and you look back on this whole history of stuff, what are some of the big lessons you learned along the way? In terms of in terms of how to build uh, this kind of business, in terms of of just bigger lessons about about you know being an entrepreneur in this kind of industry, I've I've got two that I'll tell you about that, that okay. strike me right off the bat. Okay. Number one, uh, I revert back to my brother, uh, who fired me. And by the way, I never let him forget that. When I, I take every <laughs> opportunity I can to remind him that he did that. Um, we had a. a um, we had a competitor in, in, in Nashville, a good competitor. And um, this is a guy, now again, you know, we're, we're fiercely competitive in this yeah. industry, in the moving industry. He died, and um, his wife called our office, and she asked my brother if he would be a pallbearer. Hmm. Now, that's kind of the way I want, uh, you know, you can take that two ways. I want to be a pallbearer at my competitor's funeral. Now, I'm not saying that in the way that I want them to die. Right. I, think I really do want to live my business life so that you don't have an apology you have to make. And actually, I, I mean, I, uh, I can tell you, uh, um, the, the good guys that are here in town, well, let me tell you right now something that's happening. Jane and I are going to Florida in two weeks. I, I'm going to be staying in one of my competitor's house. Wow. Um, my, another one of my competitors, uh, he and I have regular conversation. Um, I'm friends with these guys. I, I don't attack them. I, I don't think it's a good idea ever to go after vended business. I have vended business here in my building, but uh, anybody that knows me knows that uh, uh, even, uh, even the Iron Mountain people uh, will tell you that when a, a vended customer calls me and says, I'm mad, I, I want... I want you to quote me. I quote them, but I give them normal rates. And then I say, look, you need, you, you know, your best bet is to stay where you are. 
but if you don't want to do that, I want to be the guy that you go to. And then when I hang up the phone, I call my competitor and I say, you got a problem. They just talked to me. And here's who it is. Here's what they said. And you better deal with this. Yeah. I've, I've given them a quote, but I've not, uh, I'm not pursuing their business. And, you know, the funny thing is they do the same thing. Now, I'll say that one of them is not. Um, one of them has never done that, but everybody else has. Um, uh, they, they, I, I just think it's better for the industry that we, that we keep our business on that level because it is never a good idea for business to go from one to the other. Uh, unless you're just doing a bad job. Uh, I don't like these national contracts. I, I typically have to remove an account from here. And a lot of them are kicking and screaming and don't want to go. Now, some of them, you know, are just completely, okay, it's just another day at the office. I'm not dealing with it. You know, yeah, go ahead and move them. Most people that, that we deal with don't like that. And it's right. not good for them. Yeah. It's good for the, it's good for the, the national uh, record storage company, but it's, it's not good for the client. Because uh, there's just not going to – nobody's ever called me and said, Steve, you're doing a bad job. We're leaving you. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever called me and said, your rates are too high. We're leaving you. Hadn't happened. It's not going to happen. Um, we've always been fair in those things. And that leads me into number two, by the way, simply doing the right thing. Absolutely, positively, always. You know what the right thing is. Yeah. And, 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 and the easy thing sometimes isn't the right thing. Sometimes it is. But uh, I think that uh, to touch on the fire again, we didn't lose any clients because of that fire, because at every point they knew that, that we were definitely not capitalizing on it. And they also knew that at every point that we were keeping them informed and we were trying to do the right thing and the fair thing at every, in every point. I don't have any apology to make for that. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, and then I would even give you a third one is always tell the truth. Uh, I've got a, uh, you know, I have a, a box. Actually, it, it, it's interesting. I have two boxes that came out of that building downtown I was telling you about. Yeah. We had a window that was open, um, and a bird came in and, and built a nest in a box. And I mean, it, it apparently it had been a couple of years, and it was a nasty, messy box. And then, of course, the client called for a file, and we discovered that it had bird poop all over it. Well, um, you know, the first phone call we make is to the client, say, hey, here's what's happened. Yeah. Um, second thing we do is call our disaster recovery company. We send it off. We get the thing freeze-dry, cleaned and uh, whatever, and freeze-dried, then we bring it back, and, and we realize, you know, they're still not comfortable. We went ahead and copied the box, and that wasn't cheap. We yeah. copied everything in the box. We kept the original, but then we sent the copies to them. Well, that was huh. expensive. Insurance doesn't cover that. Yeah. It was the right thing to do, though. And, and you know, at the same time, another client, uh, we discovered, uh, as we started looking for other boxes that might be like that in that building, we discovered another box. There was a, there was a leak, a roof leak. And it, that box was sitting very close to it. It had been dripping. I bet it was eight, nine years. It had been sitting there. Drop every occasionally would there be a, you know, a drop of water there. The box was in horrible shape. Again, we called the client, sent that box off to have it, you know, the very same thing done. And that was costly, but it was yeah. the right thing to do. Real Pretty easy. Thing. Because then, you know, you can go to sleep at night and know that you've done the right thing. So I'd say those three things are, are, are things that, that I think are driving. Uh, be good to your competitor. Always do the right thing to your customer and to your employee and, and just be honest. Tell the truth. You have the opportunity, and I, I wish I could could dig into some of this more stuff, but we're going to run out of CD shortly. Uh, but you have the opportunity to sit down with somebody who's thinking about getting into this business, and you have the opportunity just for a few moments to give them some, some really critical advice beyond the big lessons uh, as it relates specifically to this industry and this business. What would you tell them? Well, um, uh 
the best salesperson is going to be them. Don't go out and hire a salesperson. Um, software is critical. You need to understand it very well and, and uh, then have a, a facility that you can, that you can obtain that would um, allow you to grow where you are. And, and it may be, uh, if, 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 you're, if you're one of those blessed, lucky guys, that you can eventually buy because you're going to consume that building. Right. Uh, you you will grow to consume if even if you're at the, in the ten thousand square foot space of a two hundred thousand square foot building, you got a plan on you're gonna you, that's going to be your building at some point. You will fill it up, and that's going to be that's a great problem to have. Um, you, and you know what are the other things you need to you need to absolutely hire honest people that are good and and background check them and 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 just bring surround yourself with good people. Does that give you a, a taste of what I'm looking for here? Yeah, that's good. I I, I think what I, I have loved so much about this this particular um, oh I've got or, one more I've got okay. one more I would always say attend the Prism conference and keep your mouth shut and listen to those who are talking and decide which ones of those guys you like what they're saying and then call them and say would you mind if I came and visit you because you know uh, I, you you need good mentors in this industry. And you need to find somebody that, that agrees with you. You might hear five guys talking and only one of them says what, what you really agree with. Find that guy out. And, and even go to the other four maybe if you can because, you know, I think everybody's going to let you walk through the record center and you'll get a tidbit from everybody. Uh, I think that's another big thing is to uh, – because then they're going to tell you, oh, here's why I like the software, here's why I like the shelving, here's why you need this kind of a dolly. I mean, you're going to learn a lot of things from yeah. those in the industry. Always go to a PRISM conference, a NAID conference. Be a sponge. Um, be a, be exactly, and be an ARMA member too, and, and keep your mouth shut. Go in there and just listen to what they're saying. Um, you don't know a whole lot yet, and that's one of the mistakes I made was trying to talk about things I didn't know about many years ago. Of course, not talking to me is a difficult thing. So, <laughs> so anyway. Well, I I have to say I, I was about to say, but I, I love the I, I love the the. Um, the sense that you have about the business it's not purely a business to you it's something more than that it's a calling it's a it's a way of life for you and um that that to me is is one of the the neatest parts about you know getting to know you as a person and being in your you know in your space and going and seeing your facility is to be able to walk with you through your building and and just know that this is more than just a business that sits independent of you and for that i'm you know i'm uh, grateful that you've been able to share that with us on this uh on this interview today so steve thank you so much i i would love to go on i really think at some point we should do a uh another call as it relates to the fire and what that all meant and some of the implications of that so but but for today thank you so much for uh your input your uh your advice your wisdom and um thank you tom thank you very much i'm flattered you called okay Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com, where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.